the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello everyone, this is another episode of Dreams Not Memes. I'm here with my friend Derek from Arch Palatine. Today we are going to talk to Derek about his story. How's it going? Yo, hey Brian, good. Sweet, sweet. So how did your journey as a musician start? Ooh, that's a great question. I started as a little boy singing in a church choir, even just like as a soloist in church, which then transitioned into singing in my school's boys choir in third grade. That's when you were old enough to join the boys choir. I stayed in the choir at school with the amazing Mr. Ware all the way through high school. And then I joined all the choirs and acapella groups I could possibly join in Lehigh at Lehigh University. Meanwhile, I was writing, I started writing more and more of my own music. I moved back to Philadelphia, um, sang background vocals for the Danny Ocean Band, sang in a Beatles cover band called The Ones, sang background vocals for a band called Naima Sahara. I was trying to find who I was. I was in an acapella group with my now bandmate, Anthony. We were called Revive, and that was back in 2011. And that was when I started going solo and doing more of my own thing. Um, we were the Derek Anthony band at first, then we were Palatine, and because of a trademark, alleged trademark infringement, we changed it to Arch Palatine. Well, yeah. there we go, there we go. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know, what is Arch Palatine? Like, why the name? I mean, we know the, the copyright part, but like, how did the name come about for you? Yeah, oh my goodness. In high school, I played Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. and there was... A paladin, Northern Paladin, was like this white card that um, I forget how many mana it costs. Maybe four mana. You tap two, tap it, and it destroys any black permanent. And I was like, "Yo, the paladin, the, the white, the uh, Northern Paladin, is so cool." Then I was trying to choose a name. I was like, "What if I was called Paladin?" Then I found out there was a band called Paladin, and my niece was with me. My niece is only um, she's not much younger than me, so we were looking through the dictionary, and she said, "Well, what about Palatine?" And we looked it up, and it's like a noble official exercising authority in a province. True. And I love royalty, and I love the idea of um, ancient Egyptian royalty, um, European crowns and robes and gold. And so I went with Palatine. There we go. And then when the copyright infringement situation happened, the other party, um, they said they had the copyright, I mean the trademark, because of uh, of where we were located. But they weren't too friendly, and they were hobbyists, and a brilliant mind, Justin Carrots, was like, why don't you just become the Arch Palatine then? True. Like, what an attitude. Like, True. Like, the Arch. And that's, like, weird, because, like, Palatine's, like, the term is, is used in other things, like Star Wars, I believe, the evil character. Oh, Palpatine. Palpatine, <laughs> never mind. Never mind, Palpatine, not Palatine. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're but right. it is used in other ways. Like, yeah. there are the um, the hills, the Palatine Hills in Rome. That's right, yep. And it's used to um, denote a fur jacket from, like, the 1400s. True. And it has other, other meanings. There's a lot of meanings behind it, but, you know, we like the noble meaning. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, given the fact that you did a lot of background singing and you've come from many different backgrounds, how do you think your experiences really shaped your sound? Was it as a result of those experiences or was it a result of like listening to other music? Like, What, what got you there? 
definitely um, having my own vision growing up. Mm -hmm. So when I was a little boy, I was a high soprano with a coloratur agility. Mm -hmm. And my favorite artists to perform and sing and listen to were people I could sing. So I listened to Mariah Carey all the time. I listened to Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and Boys to Men and all of the other um, divas of the 90s and late 80s that my mom played, Barbara Streisand. Sandy Patty was a gospel artist that she played. And those were the vo those were the voices that helped mold my voice as a young boy. Then when my voice changed, of course, it was like, okay, I found out about Donny Hathaway and Stevie Wonder, Luther Vandross, and Brian McKnight, and so many other beautiful musicians who helped shape me as a musician. Now, the thing that was different was in my class, people were listening to things like Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana True. and System of a Down and all these other types of um, alternative and rock musics that I wasn't too familiar with. So it was a, a strange balance. I go to my friends' houses and I learn all these styles of music. Then I come home and it's like R&B and hip hop and soul and gospel. So I think all those things collectively created the sound that I don't try to make. It just happens. No, I, I completely understand that because I think some of the most creative music isn't music where like you directly see that like, all right, this person studied, say, Stevie Wonder's, you know, songbook or catalog, learned everything note for note. And then everything comes out sounding exactly the same. No, it's more like the person that takes all of those influences and then makes it their own. Because that's how, like, original sounds come about. Mm -hmm. And I really, really appreciate that. Do you remember amusement parks in the 90s had those little karaoke booths? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My first time recording was in one of those booths. Really? And I sang Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. That's awesome. That tape is so crazy to listen to. Do you still have it? It's somewhere in my mom's house right sure, now. Sure, 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 sure. Sure. I was so sad at how bad I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm totally with you. Because, like, also amusement parks growing up, especially in the 90s, I feel like were a place not just to have fun, but also to just, like, sing out and sometimes get your chance because, like, Bands were playing at Six Flags. Yes. They had karaoke contests. They had battle with bands. It was just yeah. like, oh, like yeah. you could be a band in the '90s or even early 2000s and just play different Six Flags. Like, just put that in perspective. <laughs> yeah, we were in Six Flags Great Adventure. Me and my nephew. Yeah, and we were walking around. We went there because we had season passes. Sure. And Natasha Bedingfield was playing. What? So we're like walking around. And we went to her show, and mm. we realized who her background singers were and everything. We're like, oh, they're so cool. So then we're, like, walking around near the Superman ride. True. And her background singers are there, and we're like, oh, we enjoyed y'all's show. They're like, hey, y'all want to hang out with us? For some stupid, crazy reason, we were like, no thanks. I have no idea what was wrong with us. Like, who knows what sort of connections that would have brought for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, why do we say no thanks? Uh, I don't know. We were so weird. Yeah. Like, how old were you again? He was 11, and I was like 23 or 4 or something True. Like that. But still, you would have made a connection. Yes. That's wild. I don't know what... <laughs> and we both had, like, mutually agreed. True. Hmm. No, we're going to go get on that ride. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, that, that's another question I'd like to ask, because you brought up background singing. You know, all musicians are looking for something, or whether it be hobbyist or professionalism. You said you were, like, finding your own way. 
What did it feel like as you were background singing and then transition to say, I'm going to do my own thing? It was so... Well, first of all, I was exhausted. True. Singing in four bands at one time in an acapella group and taking on a church job and working a full-time job at that time, I thought it was going to be... like It made me so happy to hear someone say, yeah, you're part of the Philly scene now. True. But it was not where I needed to be. Yeah. And then when I started doing solo work, I felt more fulfilled. I'm like, oh, this is what my song can sound like with a drum set and a bassist on it. I had no idea before that. And I had no idea what my music could become. True. You know, just me and my piano playing songs sometimes. No, that that, that makes sense. Because, like, whether you're in Philly, Memphis, Nashville, Australia, Mm -hmm. finding your own sound and what it could be is a never-ending process. And I don't think it's about, oh, I should have started when I was younger or I should have started when I was older or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It's about right place, right time. So I'm glad to hear yes. that for you. Yes, it is yeah. about right place, right time. And it was the right place and the right time to be at that in that acapella group with Anthony Pompey, who is the most beautiful soul and a wonderful person. I'm so honored to sing with him mm-hmm. every time we get hit that stage. Um and I'm so happy that over the years, he's become more powerful in singing and more confident and just inspires me. And we bounce ideas off of each other and learn other ways of singing from each other. So for me, I'm more of like a powerhouse type of vocalist. And he's more of like an agility run type of vocalist. Now, sing with him, he's more powerhouse and I'm more running. And it just makes this like make our dynamic on stage so much more fun for each of us and just we love being able to give share that with our audience true true so like before we get to the next half another thing i think a lot of people should know is your live performance as a solo act versus a band is like way different like as a, as a solo act it's very much what you're thinking like singer songwriter you're letting your heart out like with the piano but like when you're playing full band it's an experience like you, you, you've got outfits happening, you've got, you know, emotions, like, like you're burning down the house, you know? Yeah. What led you to a lot of those ideas, like from the fashion to, you know, the face art and things like that? It was just uh, thinking I needed something new and original. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was an artist. Mm-hmm. And then my, so when I really started getting into fashion and designing my own outfits and clothes, it was for a show. I had a blue shirt, and I was like, okay, I really need to make this show do something more. Like, I want to stand out. So I took that shirt and glued on rivets and took some, like, puffer paint and drew an elephant on the back of it. And when I got to the show, I didn't know what to expect, but I got such a positive response from my friends and family members and other bandmates that I said, maybe I could continue doing this for other shows just to have one-of-a-kind pieces to wear. I'm a bigger guy, so I can't wear the couture clothes or, like, the the latest trends and fashions that only come in medium, small, maybe large. I weigh 275 pounds, so I'm going to make something that's, like, big and glowing and shiny that fits me for me. Sure. And that just and when I got the positive reinforcement, that was when I was like, all right, I can do this. I'm an artist in this way too. So mom gave me so much love about it. She's my best um, person to bounce ideas off. If I have a shirt or something like, hey mom, what do you think about this? Oh no, you need to put that, you know, try to change that a little bit. And she tells me I like it is. 
And I go back, fix it, and it turns into something even more magical than I could imagine before she placed her eyes on it. No, I I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, uh, really shout out to you, like, talking about, like, being a bigger frame musician, because, like, I'm also a bigger frame musician. And, like, you know, I sometimes always think to myself, like, there's these, like, musician tropes or, like, these musician ideas of, like, what a musician should look like Mm fashion-wise. And then, like, when you look at, like, your frame and my frame, you know... I go, that's not in the store for me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I completely pick up what you're putting down. But uh, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit more about you and take a quick break. quick message thank you for listening to today's episode of dreams.memes please make sure to follow dreams.memes podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on instagram at dreams.memes podcast to support dreams.memes podcast feel free to contact me at a day without love at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities now let's get back to the show All right, now we're back. So we were talking about fashion and accessibility as, you know, an artist and how you put yourself on stage. What are some things that you're working on now as a creative that, you know, you consider challenging or just different or exciting? Oh, I'm so excited about our new album, Mm -hmm. which um, not many people know that we've been working on at all. And we finished it in 2020 before COVID hit and we were ready to put it out there and get going on it. And the challenge behind that is that once COVID hit, even though through COVID, I feel like we've made such good progress and been blessed exponentially over the process, despite the sickness that was going around the world. The challenges, though, were losing our drummer and our guitarist um, because of health concerns and um, different things like that in their life. So when the world started opening up again, I didn't have a band to play with. Dang. I was just doing solo things. And like you said, my solo gig, though it can be really nice and expressive and emotional, there's not a lot of times when I can show off what we were before with nobody there, with none of my bandmates there. So we had to grind and strive and get new bandmates. And my old buddy, JP, John Palmer, who did a remix to our song Riding and Rolling, um, joined into the band. And then Aaron Wolf, who is local from the band's Kennel Club and the Classic Hunt, decided that he would take on another role as a percussionist in our band too. It's been lovely. It's been absolutely amazing. The challenges of getting everything back in order again were tough, but we had our first show in Philadelphia just a couple days ago since COVID. And it was a wonderful success. It was the hypnotized single release party at the Great Room. It featured um, a friend of mine from New York. Their name is Tony. They're a singer-songwriter, brilliant, beautiful person, producer, amazing. It had a up-and-coming music collective called Hood Folk, who run the open mic on Tuesdays at the Ravens Lounge. 
Um, my cousin Cordell is the lead guitarist in that collective. And then closing out the night is this super cool band called Baldini and the Bastards, who are just blowing up. And I love watching their rise because Anthony Baldini and I used to go to the open mic at the Grape Room every week and hang out and drink beers and have, you know, different shots and just know about life. And he's so brilliant and I'm so proud and good and happy to watch him rise like that and be that successful band that he's becoming. Um, and we had a good show, a wonderful show. And I, and I like the connections and how you describe them because that's how, you know, shows should be, no matter how big or how large. Like, different people with common or similar different interests connecting with each other on the behalf of your art and you're just having like yo my cousin you know holy from new york all getting together how did did that feel oh it felt so good i'm so glad you asked that it felt so great i loved every minute of it it my cousin cordell blew my mind he's always been a musical savant of the family Mm -hmm. he's like a young prince or he can pick up any instrument he can sing, play the soprano sax, the guitar, the bass, the drums, whatever you want. And his mind is amazing. You can hear the chords out the air. He has that kind of gift. And then watching him play from when he was a 12-year-old, 12, 13, 14-year-old, he played in my band when he was that young. Mm-hmm. Watching him from then to now, I'm so proud to watch him. And my cousin Sade and I, when he was performing, we were like, look, we have to dance. And we got up there and we did the old school electric slide hey. <laughs> in front of everyone. We're like having a great time, throwing all caution to the wind and just going for it. Sure. And then Tony, I met him on, I met them on TikTok. Okay. And they and I wrote a song called 2125. And that song um, has some cool lyrics. It's like, this is everyday life, 2125. Some worlds live and some die, 2125. And it's about... Um, life on new planets after Earth's downfall and just the story of a family escaping Earth or a place and going to a new planet called Megalodosho where um, people were dancing in the silver grass plains and the winds blew red rings in the sky. This is Everyday Life 2125. Woo! When we wrote that together and we recorded it, I knew that they were a special person and they were going to remain special in my life because I'm not going to let them go just yet. True, true. So they're ready to fly or do what they want to do. I have to keep working with them. Uh, they're amazing. And so they wanted to do a tour. They were in Nashville. They were around. And I said, well, why don't you come sing on our stop here in Philly um, during my album release? And totally dumb. He was down with it. Um, they had a great time. They had a string duet, Christine and Kevin. Christine plays the violin. Kevin plays the cello. And I was on the keys, and Tony was playing the guitar. They sang and were the front person, and it was a really cool set. Uh, then Baldini and the Bastards, I don't even have to explain them. They are on fire. Anthony Baldini, he is bilingual. He plays these wonderful songs in Italian, and his tunes are very heartfelt. His voice has a grit to it that is getting stronger and more powerful every time I hear them. It's wonderful. That's awesome. I had a great time. That's really, really awesome. And like, you know, I wanted to ask you about TikTok. Okay. How has TikTok shaped you as a creator? Because like, I mean, you know, we're we're TikTok friends. We've we've talked to each other and things Mm -hmm. like that. And you just shared how like TikTok 
allowed to fill out a show. And I definitely know how that feels. Like, you know, I've gotten my own little niche and like, I have a now a touring buddy who brought me out to New Haven and now we're like working on other states and towns together. So like for you, what has it been like, you know, exploring TikTok as a creator? It has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Not only did I meet Tony and they are just a special gem of the earth. I met DJ Mimi on TikTok Mm -hmm. and DJ Mimi works at 88.5 in LA Mm -hmm. FM. And when Hypnotize was being created as the press release and the album covers were being designed, I reached out to DJ Mimi and said, hey, would you consider playing this on your radio show in L.A.? And she took the time and listened to it and was like, yes. That's awesome. I'm going to play your Because she's like a TikTok doctor of music. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. really awesome. She played it. Yeah. Well, she, I don't... I don't know uh, if she played it this past Sunday because I wasn't able to tune in. Sure. But the Sunday before, I was in LA and emailing DJ Mimi as the air as the show was airing. And originally, I think she had one plan for the show, but then they celebrated St. Patty's Day instead. Yeah. So she was putting up there, oh, you know, Al Green, yeah. this man and that song and this and that, that all had green in the title. Sure. And I'm like, oh, DJ Mimi, what about Green Day? When I come around, she's like, coming right up. I got you. And she played it. I was like, ah, that's I'm awesome. screaming to my friends. Yeah. That's so cool. That's, that's <laughs> huge. Congrats. Congrats. And that's TikTok. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely hear that. So let's talk about some of your goals. Like you, you have this upcoming record coming out. And, and, you know, before this, we were talking about a photo shoot that you, you worked on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than, of course, talking about the photo shoot, what's it been like, you know, creating in 2022 despite all the things that's happened in 2020? Like, do you feel like you're getting your bearings back? Do you feel like you're turning a new leaf? Oh, all of the above. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's more uh, prolific. There are more blessings. I feel so excited about everything. And there's an energy that I feel in the music scene that was that we all see now when we go to a club or a venue. It's packed with people. And it's something that we all were taking for granted. And I think now is a great time. My cousin Cordell was talking about it to try to get the power back into our hands as opposed to always being paid to play or doing that kind of a model that we do in big cities. True. Get more um, of us united to know that real artists deserve to get flat rates in all the clubs and work on that type of a model. And I think now is a great time to do that because the clubs, they will recoup their funds. They get more people at the bars. They get more um, regulars coming in all the time. It's not like when the clubs were um, in the 80s when there were people in the bars all the time, then like slowly diminishing through the 2000s. Now it's back. It's like people are back and out and enjoying life again and just let's do it. And and I like that you say that because, you know, I, I sometimes say that like every bar needs to run like a college bar minus the antics. And what I mean by that is like, you know, a lot of bars are saying, like, what about our f- costs? What about our costs? What about our costs? I was like, do you know how a college bar works? They have $1, you call it. You'll, you'll, you'll recoup your cost times 10, you know? Just have the first hour of the concert, like a, a drink special. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, you'll recoup those costs. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bottom line, like you said, like, every artist gets $100, you know, mm-hmm. or so. Mm-hmm. 
it, it shouldn't be a problem. Or like Tuesday's pajama night. So how pajama night concerts? What does pajama night involve? I don't know. EDM. I'm just making stuff up right yeah, now. Sure. But like, you know what I mean? Like people are gonna have a reason to go to the bar other than the band. And these Sorry. these abstract terms like what's your draw don't really apply. Now that's not to say that musicians shouldn't market themselves. Right. But it's like. When only the musicians are marketing and thinking of different ways to make their show more fun, mm-hmm. but the venue's doing nothing but just preserve, like you know, providing alcohol, mm-hmm. you don't really provide as much of a reason for going to the bar, you know. Right. So like, if you know, Monday was like open mic night, Tuesday was like tell a story night with like songwriters around, Wednesday was something like I don't know. Uh, one take a shot night thursday was burrito night and friday was hamburger night Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. always have a reason to go to go to the bar Mm -hmm. you know versus oh we just got bands coming in and we don't really care as long as we have the lights on like you you can't have that model nope nope because then what kind of way is that for a person to think about their business like no it's, it's bad they can they can capitalize off of this too yeah okay now that people are coming in we can involve more um, drink specials. True. We can involve more food specials and get things going that we didn't have the resources to do before. True. Oh, that back room where the uh, where the dartboard was is all closed down. Now that's opened up, mm-hmm. and that's twenty more people that are buying drinks all night. One hundred percent. Yeah, and, and there's just so many different things, and like I I agree that some bars are coming around. Um, not just from personal experience. Like I'm just noticing that like bars aren't being as like gatekeepy mm-hmm. they recognize like okay wait we have to do something fun we have to like keep people safe mm-hmm. and things like that yeah, that's true, right? mm-hmm. but um i'm just hoping that that continues and it remains more fun because like yeah, i just know for me like granted i'm not like a an artist that has different themes but like if there was a folk punk night in every bar in the city or every city, I'd be pretty much set. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like songwriters night, like I'd be set. Yes. And I think in this day and age, and I think TikTok kind of told us this, everyone has a fair shot without stepping on anyone's toes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you and I don't play the same music, mm-hmm. but we're not stepping on each other's toes. Not we're friends. We're homies. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? And so is the next musician, the next mm-hmm. musician, the next musician. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think things like TikTok, this gap that was unfortunate, but also fortunate has allowed us the blessing of turning over a new leaf. So, so brilliant. Yeah. I love you that you said that. It's so true. And I want to add to that. Um, that was something that I heard about. Um, the difference between other countries and America for a long time. Like, there's a space for you in every corner. I think TikTok has opened up the internet in that way where you can do anything you really can on TikTok and be creative and find a corner and not have to compete. You don't You don't have to really compete with the other person um, doing singer-songwriter antics because if you can get on there and do it and be consistent and you'll be rewarded sure it's just like um it's just like being in like you said no competition i'm more of a supportive type of artist i want people to thrive and strive i want the music scene to be the best i don't want to curse but i want the music scene to be the best it could possibly be yeah and how are you gonna do that if you act totally always on somebody else's throat or like hating 
Like, you're just diminishing yourself. This is the time now where we want to elevate. We saw what the sicknesses is do are doing. We saw what hate does in the, around the world. Let's elevate each other. Let's continue to unite and be artists that support one another. Not everybody is going to be Michael Jackson. But that doesn't mean that Cindy Lauper can't go up in there and sing right with them. We are the world. We're going to continue to rise as musicians and we're going to continue to do the best that we can do to support each other and to bring light to the world and to bring a good element to other people who may not be musicians or artists or visual artists or um, structural artists, whatever they may be. Because that's who we are and that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to share our purpose and gift. I don't think we're meant to fight each other anymore in that. I think the fight is kind of mundane now. It's like stupid. Why do I run around hate? Like, what's the point? I, I really like that you said that, especially like the part where you said like we've seen what hate can do yeah. and, th and there's no need to dive into that in this episode, but it's just like whether you're listening to this episode in 2022 or 2027, yeah. I hope it gets better in 2027, <laughs> yes. there's still something to like just, just Google something and you'll be like, this is why you shouldn't be hating, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, I, and I really like your, your point because... We're here to collaborate. We're here to connect. We're here to share stories. We're not here to compete. So no. thanks to you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. We're human. This yeah. is a human condition. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. Do you have any shout outs that you would like to give? Shout out to Brian, who's right here next to me. <laughs> shout out to Kevin McCall, Andorra, T Michael Trichecki, the producer of our album, Danny Newport, the whole Grape Room staff, crew, and team. And, of course, my bandmates. Hey, y'all, where y'all at? Love you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Oh, anytime, anytime. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email adaywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.